I want you to take your Bibles with me and you'll see why I'm so excited about them singing that song this morning because I know what I'm preaching. And go to Isaiah chapter number 7 if you would with me. Isaiah chapter number 7. I still had on my heart to at least have a Christmas thought this morning uh, since it is the day after Christmas. And I know several, unless you got really discouraged from the snow, are still in the Christmas spirit this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful uh, for what the Lord's done over the past few weeks and in our hearts and our lives. And so as I went back over, and I, I mentioned it in our Connect class this morning, that it's amazing you can continually go back to what we call the Christmas story and be able to receive more truths and be able to dig deeper. And what we did this morning is I had actually asked the young adults to, and, and a few of them, that's all we had the time for, uh, to be able to give a devotion that they had through the Christmas time and a, a truth from the Christmas story. And uh, so we had some this morning, and every one of them came back with a different perspective, came back with a different devotion that God had spoken to their heart about. And guess what? Not a one of them was anything that I've preached over the past month. And, uh, and it's not what I'm preaching today. It's just a, a different aspect, a different truth, because that's how wonderful the Word of God is. That as we continually go back to the well, guess what? He continually feeds us. He continually allows us to draw from the well and be satisfied with it. And so we're in Isaiah chapter number 7 to start with this morning. If you found it and you're able to, let's stand together. Isaiah chapter number 7. And we're just going to read five verses, starting in verse number 10, and read down through verse number 14. The Bible says in verse 10, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Now we also know, according to Matthew chapter number 1, when the, the angel told Gabriel, or when Gabriel told Joshua, Joseph, that he would have a son, and he would call his name Emmanuel. We know from that verse, it says, being interpreted is God with us. And understanding the Christmas time, the day of Christ and his birth. And I'm going to preach on a subject this morning, and, and I don't want it to be taken when I ask this question. And you see this, what else can God do? Now, that's not in the way 
In fact, let me pray and then I'm going to get into the message because I'm going to get way ahead of myself and you're going to be standing there for 10 minutes if I get rolling. But uh, let's pray and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Lord, I'm so thankful for our God in heaven. And Lord, just to be able to show that you can, you had a virgin birth. Just to be able to show that you're able to. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us through this morning. And Lord, maybe our hearts and our minds would go further than ourselves and further than the human ability and capabilities that we have to be fully dependent upon God. And so, Lord, would you reveal yourself a little bit more to us this morning And we'll thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I'm reminded as I read Isaiah chapter number 7 that actually as the Lord was speaking with Ahaz here and he asked him, he said, it's a small thing for you to weary men. And I'm not going to ask because it's a rhetorical question this morning on how many have ever gotten tired and weak and wore down. And that is something that takes place. There's some that, listen, you may have been out doing some shoveling this morning or cleaning some things up and you're like, I'm just in here and I'm just glad I get to sit down for a little while. You go through all the hustle and bustle of the the Christmas season and then we get to it and some would actually say, well, I'm glad this is all over with. Can I say this? That's not how I'm entering the end of this year going into New Year's. I'm not saying I'm glad it's all over with. I had a wonderful Christmas season. Miss Crystal asked last night as we sat down to be able to eat supper, and it's our tradition that on Christmas, and we've done this for several years, she's not cooking a great big meal. She's not slaving in the kitchen. We order Chinese food. And we sit down and we eat Chinese food. And we sat down last night and she said, well, has it felt like Christmas today? And honestly, all four of us looked at each other and said, not really. I mean, I can't say that it was it was one of those earth-shaking days. I said, but I believe the reason is, I said, it's been a wonderful season. And I said, the time that we've focused on Christ. And as I looked in this passage of Scripture, I see that the God of heaven, as he is saying down to Ahaz here, and they're needing a sign to be able to show the power of God, and we're going to look at a few things, the Lord said, I'll give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive. Just because God can. Just because of his ability that we would look at something and say, yes, that is humanly impossible to be done. God says, you want a sign? Here's a virgin that's going to conceive. That's what I'll show to you. Now, when I ask this question, what else can God do? It's not asked in the context of where we come back to, and you don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah chapter number five, God is about fed up with his people. 
And in Isaiah 5, he says, I've, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And he says in verse number four, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? I'm not asking the question as we look at the scriptures, what else can God do because he's done everything? I'm asking the question this morning, what else can God do because he's able? What else can God do? And as I look throughout the Christmas story, the Christmas account that we look at year after year after year, I want to share three things with you, but then really I just want these to be able to settle in our hearts and lives because there may be things that, that are not mentioned this morning. There may be things that are not read from the scriptures, but that every one of us are going to be facing, listen, just over the next 12 months. And just in case there's already a question, listen, when Christmas is on Sunday, we're having Sunday service, by the way. Okay, we're not canceling Sunday service when it's on Christmas. You say, where'd that get to? I just think thought 12, 12 months from now. Okay, we're still having Christmas service, but there's going to be things over the next 12 months that every one of us will come in contact with. Every one of us will have things that face us and we're going to be saying, is it possible for God to be able to bring us through? Is it possible for this to be accomplished? Is it possible for us to be able to make it through? Is it possible for God to provide? Listen, what else is God able to do? So we could take the time, and we've done this from time to time, and, and uh, we rehearse. This is our, our last uh, official Sunday service of 2021. And we could look back and what seemed impossible to us 12 months ago at this time, we're saying, and now there's another 10 acres next to us. And now listen, and brother John will say more about it on Thursday night, but guess what? That debt's been cut in half just in the past 10 months. And we look at things and we say, Hey, what else can God do? Can I say, as we go through these times in our lives, as we go through these trials, and as we go these, through these times that God just opens it up in front of us, it causes me to sit back and say, hey, what else can God do? Now, it's not saying get outside the scope of God. It's not saying jump out in front of God. But can I say my faith has so been increased over the past 15 to 18, 20 years, really now, we would have just, we've just completed 23 years of full-time service for the Lord since we stepped out as missionaries for those um, 15, 16 years and, and now the eight years here at the church that we've been up here. And as I, as I look back over that and I say, you know, what else can God do? So he's saved souls. Now, if we stay in the context of Scripture, he spoke creation into existence. Now, you would think that would be maybe his final act of power. But no, that's his first act of revealing himself to mankind. We see down through here, okay, we get to Genesis chapter number 6 and there's a worldwide flood. But yet God saves eight people to be able to replenish the earth afterwards. 
We see in Genesis 11 that they're building a tower to be able to ascend up to heaven. And God said, we'll go down there and confound the languages. God does that, just a little stirring of the pot down there with the tongue. We get over there, the children of Israel are being delivered from Egypt. And they come up against the Red Sea. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, Moses, stretch your rod over the Red Sea. And God parts the Red Sea. And the entire nation of Israel walks over on dry ground. What else can God do? Well, 40 years later, they've been going out day after day after day. And just scraping up manna from off the ground to be able to eat every day. How many had to go out today and scrape up food because you didn't have anything in the cupboards? Listen, what else can God do? Provided food for him every day for 40 years. And when even in their complaining, and they said, well, we want some meat to eat too. We're not just vegetarians. We want some meat to eat. God said, okay, you want meat? And he brought in some quail. Even in their complaining, they didn't have to shoot one quail. The Bible says that they could reach up and just grab them out of the air and they ate so much of it. Don't get disgusted now. But quail meat, listen, came out their nostrils. They ate so much. What else can God do? You trace that through. Hey, listen, remember a man named Job? lost everything in one day. I mean, three servants come running in and said, hey, you just lost all your livestock. You just lost all your buildings. All 10 of your children are dead. God brought him through. God rescued. God took care of him, gave him 10 more children. Bible says that he increased his wealth, got him back to pre-tribulation times. What else can God do? To bring it all the way through, you get into the New Testament, and here we have a virgin birth. You say, what? That's, that's not even possible. But God said, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm just going to show you a sign. Then Jesus, as he's going throughout this earth, hey, do you understand that he walked up to a dead person and raised them from the dead? Do you understand not just on the way to the funeral, but four days later in John chapter number 11, he walked up and said, roll the stone away and hollered, Lazarus, come forth. And someone who'd been dead four days got up out of the grave and walked out. Hey, listen, there's still hope in your life. What else can God do? Do you understand that there were 10 lepers that came up to Jesus? And Jesus just looked at him and said, be healed. Go show yourself to the priest. One of them had enough gratitude to actually turn around and come say thank you. Do you understand that there were blind men that walked up to the Lord? Hey, do you understand that Jesus can spit on the ground, make it into some mud, put it on someone's eyes, tell them to go wash in the pool, and they can see? What else can God do? Do you understand that he can be asleep in a boat? And the disciples come wake him up and ask him, say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he gets up and he looks out there, looks at the water and says, peace be still. And then I I wonder if he just turned around and went and laid his head back down and fell back to sleep. Hey, what else can God do? Now, hold on, he goes to a cross. Now, he didn't just show his power by being able to raise someone else from the dead. 
But do you understand? He goes to the cross and he suffers and endures the whipping and the beating and the scourging of the cross. And then he finally gives up the ghost at his appointed time. When he chose to, he died. Drew his last breath, said it is finished, gave up the ghost. They took his body down off the, off the cross, buried him. And three days later, he got up and walked away and appeared in the upper room. You say, what else can God do? Oh, by the way, he can raise from the dead. But what about the times? They're out there on the hillside and there's 5,000 men besides women and children that are gathered there. And the disciples come to him and say, hey, it's time to eat. And we don't have any more to be able to give to him. That's what they said. We have no more. And a young lad comes up and says, hey, there's five loaves and two fishes in my lunch. And he gives them to the disciples there. And the disciples take the small lunch and be able to give it to Jesus. And they say, but what is it among so many? He said, oh, this is more than enough. Have everybody sit down. Five loaves, two small fishes. I believe the Lord emphasized the two small fishes part of it. And he blessed it and break it, gave it to the disciples and said, go ahead, let them eat. Can you imagine the look on the disciples' face? We have five loaves. Listen, if each disciple took a loaf and each one took a fish, there's still five disciples that are standing there with nothing. But they start breaking it off and they start feeding and 5,000 men besides women and children and there was more leftovers than what they started with. He said, gather up the fragments that remain and the Bible says that the fragments that remain were enough to fill 12 baskets. What else can God do? Now listen, do you understand from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible is all about what God is able to do and he reveals all of that to us. And I looked in three areas as I looked at the Christmas account and we see it here starting in Isaiah chapter number seven when he says it is a Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Can I say this? What else else can God do to demonstrate his power in your lives? What else can God do to demonstrate his power in your life? Do you know why God was able to do that and bring a, uh, have a virgin conceive? Just to show that he could. But he used that term. He said, will ye weary my God also? Have you ever thought, now listen, don't put your hands up, but here's where we start getting into trouble. We start thinking, man, I'm really putting God to task. I'm really wearing God down. Boy, I just keep coming back to him and I keep asking him and he keeps providing and he keeps meeting needs. Can I say this? It hasn't diminished his power one bit. I'm still reminded over and over and over about the power of God that is demonstrated throughout the word of God. And listen, he still has the power to demonstrate it to us today. What is it in our lives that we look at it and say, well, this is just too big for God? That we look at and say, well, maybe he doesn't have the power to do that. Oh, we'd never say that, would we? We'd never give that at testimony time. 
Oh boy, I'm facing this, but I just don't believe God's able to do anything about it. We'd never say that. But in our hearts, we're saying, I wonder if God has the power to do it. Can I say this? One of the greatest things that I believe that God reveals his power to be able to do is to save a soul. Now, spiritually, what takes place when a soul is saved is literally the Bible says, according to uh, Ephesians chapter number two, that he's made us to sit in heavenly places with him. And I thought, what a blessing that God at the moment of salvation has 100% changed the direction that I was going and he's changed it heading towards him. And listen, he's changed my eternal destination. He's got the power to do that. I don't know anybody else that can. Listen, there's not one religion upon the face of the earth that has the power to be able to change where you're going for eternity. But can I say this? There is a God in heaven. And every time someone bows their head and trusts Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, he's just demonstrating his power to be able to save. But see, here's what we do. We sit back and we look at some people and we say, boy, it's just going to take God to be able to save them. What a foolish statement. You know, it takes God to save everybody. <laughs> Sometimes we look at it and say, well, they're just too far gone. They just, they just, that just can't happen. Hey, we've got some that are seated in this auditorium this morning that I guarantee there were people that looked at him and said, ah, God will never save their soul. Boy, they'll never change. I was rejoicing on Thursday night. Can I, can I just have fun for a little while? What else can God do anyway? Because I'm sitting in anticipation and excitement for what he is going to do. I was standing there and I put out a, a tweet late on Christmas Eve after I got back home. I said, the greatest joy I had tonight, I said, was standing at that door as people were walking out and shaking hands with people that had gotten saved as a result of Granite State Baptist Church being here in Concord, of lives that had been put back together, of marriages that were there, of people that had trusted Christ. And some of them I started looking at even in the past year and what God had done. And man, I was excited. And I thought, listen, if God has done all of this to be able to demonstrate his power, what else can God do? Do you understand God has not broken a sweat yet? God has not said that's too much for me when he spoke creation into existence. I believe he just rested on the seventh day because number one, it was done. And number two, just to be able to give us a pattern. It wasn't because he was wore out. Will you weary my God also? What are you saying is too big for God to be able to do? What are you saying, hey, he could never demonstrate his power on this? What else could God do? What else can God do that we sit back and we say, well, I don't know if my God's big enough for that. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it through that. Will you weary my God also? Hey, just to show how much power he had, he said, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive just to be able to show that he could. It's been said like this, and it's not in a prideful way, but someone once said, an old preacher down south, he said, I love it when God shows up and shows off. Aren't you glad when just God reveals his power? 
And there are things that are done in lives, saving of souls, putting marriages back together, reconciling families. Hey, listen, demonstrating his power to be able to establish a church and for souls to be saved as a result of it and on and on and on just to be able to demonstrate his power. But then I thought on this, what else can God do? Well, we read over in Matthew chapter number one, and we won't take the time to read the entire story. But what else can God do to be able to deliver his people? You say, well, a a virgin was conceived, a virgin conceived and bare a son. Yes, but according to Matthew chapter number one, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Do you understand the entire Christmas story is demonstrating the power and ability of God? The entire Christmas story is to deliver his people. Listen, not physically from the Roman Empire, which is what they were expecting 2,000 years ago, but the Bible says shall deliver his people, save his people from their sins. The entire Christmas story not just about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords being born, but a Savior. We preached on this two weeks ago now, worthy, worth to be saved. About how it was announced to Joseph, how it was announced to the shepherds, how that even Mary said, my soul doth rejoice in my Lord and my Savior. Every one of them through there had the emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ this entire time of year to be able to deliver his people. I wonder this, I wonder how faithful we've been to be able to tell others that are around us that this entire Christmas season is about a savior being born. Not just about a gift underneath a tree. Hey, listen, you do what you want to with Santa Claus, but to me, it's about a savior. That's why I don't have a chimney in my roof, in my going through my roof. I'm just kidding. You do what you want with all of that stuff, but can I say this? What else can God do to be able to deliver his people except send a Savior? Send a Savior. You say, well, pastor, don't we need to do this and do this and have all these good works? Hey, those are all wonderful to be able to do, but those good works aren't saving you one bit. Well, I'm a member of the church and it's the same church that my mom has been at and the same church that my grandparents were at and the same church my great-grandparents were at. That's wonderful, but that's not going to save you. Listen, there is no place in the Bible that says when you stand before the Lord that he's going to ask for your church membership role. He's not going to ask for your Sunday school pins. He's not going to ask how long you've been going and how faithful you've been. That's not what he's going to ask. The only way you're spending eternity with our Savior is understanding that Jesus was born as a Savior to be able to die for each and every one of us and raise from the dead the three days later to be able to deliver his people. What else can God do? Can I say in that area, there is absolutely nothing else that God can do to be able to provide salvation. It's finished. When he said it is finished, when Isaiah 53 says that he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Listen, God is satisfied with what the payment has been. God's satisfied. 
Now, I sure wish religions around this world, people other than just Bible believers, I wish they'd get to the point of being satisfied like God is. Hey, if God's satisfied with the price of salvation, that's enough for me. You say, well, pastor, what are you saying? Hey, Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You say, is it that, is it that simple? Hey, I asked the ladies in the prison yesterday and they had the right answer. I said, Mary said in Luke chapter number one, when I mentioned Mary said, my Lord and my Savior. I said, why would someone need a Savior? And even the ladies in the prison knew. It's because they were sinners. And someone needs a Savior if they're a sinner. And I thought, boy, how simple that is. Understanding that we're a sinner, understanding that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Listen, past, present, and future, God's already paid for them. And it's a matter of trust in him and what he's done for us. Listen, that will change your life, by the way. When you realize what Jesus has done and you've accepted him, what more can he do? To deliver his people, there's nothing else that can be done. He sent us a savior. But then third of all, I saw this because I saw with the shepherds, and I'll share this briefly with us. What else can God do to be able to declare his purpose to us? You say, what do you mean? Do you understand what God did on that first Christmas? Now, God sent an angel to Joseph. God sent an angel to Mary. God sent the heavenly host to the shepherds there on the hillside. Do you understand heaven opened up and the message was given to those that desired to hear it? And we looked at it over the past couple weeks. He didn't send it to the king's household. He didn't send it to the religious leaders. He sent it out there to the shepherds on a hillside. What else could God do to declare his purpose except open up heaven and give it personally from heaven's perspective? But then I almost, and I was this close to preaching this morning on why not react like the shepherds. Because in Luke chapter number two, it says that the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising him of everything that they had heard and seen. And the Bible says they went their, their way and they were proclaiming it. They were publishing it. They were telling people that they came in contact with. They'd never heard or seen anything like that before. Can I say this? What else could God do in declaring his purpose? Here a Savior is born. He gives the message to some lowly shepherds on a hillside. But can I say this? Those shepherds weren't any more important than what I am. You remember the day when the message of the gospel was declared to you? You remember the day that you realized that you were a sinner? You say, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't try to remember days like that. Well, remember the day that you were a sinner and realized that Jesus died to be able to save you. And not just died, but rose again the third day. And remember that day when you realize that and what God did in our hearts. Listen, can I say, someone, someone put it this way. Hey, listen, it just feels good. There's been, there's been several testimonies that have been given. Some have listened. They've gotten up from being saved and, and, and they've been shouting and putting their hands in the air and just rejoicing that God saved them. There's been some that sat back in the chair in my office and they've just looked back and said, 
Well, that feels good. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just the simplicity of it. But what God has done for us, what else can God do? Can I say this? The days of heaven rolling back to be able to declare the message of the Savior to sinners is over with. Because you know why? God's given us the message. Because now it's not heaven that's opening up to be able to declare that message. Now Jesus has said to those that he left behind, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You say, what's the gospel? The gospel, according to 1 Corinthians 15, is nothing more than the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Do you understand we have a responsibility to tell everybody we know about Jesus? And be able to tell them what Jesus did for him? You know, he never told us to tell him that he walked on water. He never said, tell him that he fed the 5,000. He never said, tell him about the great teaching on the side of the Mount of Olives there or the prayer meeting that he had there or the beatitude. He never said, I want you to give all that. He said, but I do want you to proclaim the gospel. And I want you to tell everybody what I've done for you. Now, listen, we look back over history and we see everything that God has done. How much power do you think it took to be able to roll back the Red Sea? How much power do you think it took to be able to stop the Jordan River when it was in its flood stage and just the the waters piled up upon in heap? How much do you think it was? Listen, someone did some calculations. If there was an estimated two to three million people that were there in the wilderness... Someone said, and this was several years ago, they did some calculations on modern day, taking into account all the water and all the food for the livestock and everything that they had, that it was estimated between 10 and $11 million worth of provisions every day that God provided. For 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and we sit back and we say... I just don't know if I'll make it tomorrow. And we start saying, well, what can God do about this? When we ought to start going back through the scriptures and listen, maybe just get by yourself because you're probably sitting there right now saying, Pastor, I'd never stand up there and embarrass myself like what you are right now. And some are visiting today saying, I'm never coming back to this church because that pastor's acting like that. So get by yourself and start going over the blessings of God. Get by yourself and start realizing the miracles that the God that we serve are able to perform out of his power. And start realizing the capability that he has. Hey, listen, you might just be by yourself someday and go, whoop. You mean God is able to do that? Hey, listen, do you understand that just at the, just at the uh, a dead body of God's preachers that was rolled down into a valley and that dead body touched some other dead bodies that the rest of them got up and started walking around? And you talk about the power of God. You get back talking about Ezekiel. Boy, go read this if you think the Bible's dry and and boring. Go read over there in Ezekiel where the breath of God came across and the Bible calls it the valley of dry bones. 
and the breath of God came across there and that's where they got the song that the knee bone connected to the hip bone, I mean the leg bone, and that all, all bone to bone, they all started coming together and flesh came upon it and they were a mighty army standing before the Lord. You mean just dry bones? Yeah, that's just the power of God. That's not where they got the song, by the way, so don't get all hung up on that. I'm just saying you read this book from cover to cover and you understand the power of God and you understand what God is capable of. But my question as we close out 2021 and we're looking into 2022, what else can God do? Because I don't believe he's done. What else can God do? You say, well, pastor, don't you, don't you believe he's done enough? for Granite State Baptist Church. If God feels he's done enough, then listen, there's no sense in us even meeting any longer. If God's done saving souls, then listen, why do we even come out and preach the gospel then? Why do we print another gospel track? Hey, hey, I want us to be able to look back over this year, rejoice on the blessings of God, but set our sights and our hearts and our minds even higher for the cause of Christ and say, what else can God do? Because you get over there to Ephesians and the Bible says, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Listen, you will never think or dream too big for God. You'll never do that. You'll never say, oh, man, I'm, I'm dreaming on this. I won't tell you all the dreams that God's put in my heart. There's some things for 2022 that I'm saying, I just believe he can. I just believe he can. And, and not just that he can, I just believe he's going to. Haven't lost any sleep over it. I'm getting close. Getting close, but I'm looking at some things saying, hey, now God, if you did this and you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and God, you did that 3,000 years ago, then God, why not today? Why not? If you're the same God, hey, listen, if you, God, if you've done this in other parts of the world, then what else can God do right here in Concord? You say, boy, do you hear about what God's doing through such and such a church and what's going on? Hey, there's nothing hindering God from doing it right here. You say, well, God's already done a lot, and I, I just don't think we ought to push it that much. What did he say in Malachi? Hey, try me. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Hey, there's some, there's some miracles that are sitting here this morning that if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have, I would have said, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. I would have said, hey, and I, I know I'm, I'm pointing them out. And I, listen, I got a man on the front row today that last year at this time, he was on the back row. But God sure worked in his heart and life, and I'm so thankful. Married doing what's right. God's brought him through some things. Hey, listen, I could go across this congregation on what victories God has done this year. And some of them, we look back and we say, man, that was just the power of God to be able to see that accomplished. And if that's what we're saying, then why not follow it up and say, hey, what else could God do? Can I say this? The sky's the limit on it. 
Who else could God save? You know that person you've been praying for? You know that person that you sit back and say, oh, there's no hope whatsoever. Hey, someone come into our church service yesterday down there at the prison. And I'll be honest, you say, well, you only said you had three. I'll be honest with you. At first, I was thinking, man, this is Christmas. They're going to want a church service. They're going to be excited about this. And three came in. You know what I did? I gave the exact preaching service that I was going to give anyway, whether there was three or whether there were 300 in there. But I'll say this. There's a lady that came into that service. We haven't seen her in years. And she come into that service. And all she was doing was rejoicing. She said, I've been praying. I've been asking the Lord. And she said, I promised the Lord, Lord, if you'll allow me to, I'll be in church on Christmas. Can I say this? That made it worth it. And I thought, what else can God do? And what you look at right now and you're saying, this is impossible. What you're saying is there's no way through this. What you're saying is, listen, I am up against a mountain. I'm up against a block wall. Hey, listen, what could God do this next year if we just allowed him to do it? And just said, God, would you use me? God, would you do it in my life? What do you think God wants to do? to demonstrate his power to all those that are around us. What do you think God wants to do to be able to deliver his people? What do you think God wants, can do to declare his purpose? I looked over the Christmas story, and I said, if God can do all of that, what else can he do? What else? He can save another soul. He can still pay off some property. He can still build a building. He can still see a church grow in 2022. He can still see marriages put back together. He can still see families reconciled. He can still see sin conquered in people's lives. He can still provide if he did it for 40 years in the wilderness for his people. He can still do it for you. The problem is we forget who we're serving. And it might do us good to be able to go back over the scriptures and say, hey, if God did that, what else can he do? What else can he do? What do you need him to do today? What do you need him to do this next year that you say, hey, if God doesn't do it, it's not happening? You want to see my list? If God doesn't do it, it's not happening. But boy, we serve a big God. And God said, you need a sign? I'll have a virgin conceive just to be able to show you that I can. That's the God we serve. Maybe you're here today and that's not your God. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're like some people I've come in contact with and they would say, oh, God would never save me. No, that's something else God can do is he can save you. Because he saved me. He's no respecter of persons. Maybe you need to be saved today. Maybe you need to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But then maybe we need to exercise some faith in the Lord. And be able to say, Lord, if you can do all of that, what else can you do? In my life, make it personal. 